Voice of the Cape Drive Time is where we are. 0829-913-913 is the WhatsApp line. You can query, comment, and or criticize. That's the way it goes. In today's book review, we look at a book entitled Nuts and Bolts. And no, it's not about uh, motor cars or vehicles. It's about strengthening Africa's innovation and entrepreneurship ecosystems. Published by Doubleday and Tracy MacDonald Publishers. The author is Dr. McLean Sibanda, who is an accomplished C-suite executive, patent attorney, engineer, and internationally respected innovation promoter with a 25-year career in wait for it, engineering, infrastructure, intellectual property, property innovation, entrepreneurship, and so many more fields. Dr. McLean is currently the MD of Biggin Global Limited. Before joining Biggin in 2018, he was the CEO of the Innovation Hub, where he led its repositioning to focus on innovation. He has also served on numerous other boards. Dr. McLean Sibanda, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Shastik, and uh, thanks uh, for having me, and uh, good afternoon to your listeners. Uh, do you sleep about five minutes a night? <laughs> Well, I try to sleep slightly longer. <laughs> <laughs> no, because uh, looking at your CV and everything, um, you strike me as an extremely busy person, um, on the go all the time. But uh, um, I'm sure uh, you'll tell all of us it's all about time management. Yes, yes. I think the important things have to get done, uh, and uh, all of us are given 24 hours. Uh, in a day, and I guess it's really how we prioritize it. <laughs> no, absolutely. Let's good get to this interesting book that you've produced, uh, Nuts and Bolts, uh, Strengthening Africa's Innovation and Entrepreneurship uh, Ecosystems, and you say it's musings on the repositioning of the Innovation Hub Science Park with insights and reflections from our entrepreneurs and innovation enablers. Now, you were at the head of, from 2008 onwards, about 2011, something called the Innovation Hub in Gauteng. Um, some people would describe it as a science and technology park. Just tell us something about it. Yeah, so the government of Gauteng uh, had actually, I think, uh, they were forward-thinking at the turn of uh, the you know, 2000. So as part of what was called the Blue IQ Project, which saw the birth of the Gauteng, uh, amongst other projects, mm-hmm. on Constitutional Hill, the Innovation Hub was birthed um, in, in about 2000, incubated at the CSIR, and eventually found uh, its, um, its home uh, where it is now in 2005, uh, nestled between the CSIR and University of Pretoria, is uh, a facility to uh, promote innovation and assist Houting to be a smart province. And uh, this was really on the basis that uh, Houting has got the biggest concentration of uh, universities and research institutes, uh, comprises over 50% of South Africa's patent outputs. Uh, and I think they, they saw this opportunity to really create an institution that uh, could 
facilitate the flow of knowledge from these institutions uh, to startups and eventually companies that will come out. Now, how critical is this uh, to to the country? Because reading the book um, time and time again, yourself and the people who who wrote uh, pieces for you in the book um, stress um, almost, uh, uh, you know, unanimously um, the need for innovation and the need for entrepreneurship. But what comes out very strongly is, number one, it, it can't happen in isolation. And number two, innovation is a process of transformation into something that has greater value. And this can't be done in isolation. We have to have a skills transference. Is this basically the core value of the innovation hub, that you're looking at a skills transference that is actually relevant to young people of today? I mean, you're absolutely, you know, correct, uh, because, I mean, the book also borrows uh, a definition of innovation from Clayton Christensen, which is, in essence, that process where one transforms labor, capital, materials, or, or and information into products and services of a greater value. And, and if one looks at, at the structure of our economy, it's been built, in essence, uh, on um, natural resources, mining, uh, big companies, but the big companies that anchored our economy more than 10 years ago, 15 years ago, they no longer exist, mm. uh, uh, you know, truth be told. And if we look in terms of the impact of the pandemic, uh, the, 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 the part of the economy that has been hardest hit yeah, are the services industries. Mm. And our economy is really made up of services uh, in our industries. Uh, and so there's a need to relook the structure of the economy uh, to promote uh, the establishment and growth of startup companies that are based on innovation, ideally technological innovation. Uh, and so part of uh, the work uh, that had to be done at the Innovation Hub is really figuring out how do we inspire young people, a new generation, to embrace innovation, uh, enhance the establishment of things like Core Tribe, uh, MLab as well as ECASI labs, which were the incubation centers in the townships, uh, so that we can start to, in essence, get young people uh, on a new uh, economy uh, that uh, they will anchor in in the future. Indeed, if you just tuned in, we're talking about a book called Nuts and Bolts, Strengthening Africa's Innovation and Entrepreneurship uh, Ecosystems. Author is Dr. McLean Sibanda, and I think it's a very, very important topic. I'm going to quote to you something from your own book. You didn't say it, but um, you chose the quote because I think it's, it jumps off the page, and I think it's so applicable to what a lot of people are going through right now today in terms of startups, etc. This quote says, when in doubt, bootstrap, like the term. Using your own personal resources is the easiest way to start a business. You don't have to convince investors about the merits of your idea. You just have to convince yourself. I just find that profound. Very, very profound, uh, you know, uh, you know, Shafiq, because many um, entrepreneurs believe that they need funding to get things done. Uh, in reality, what you need is you need to be solving a problem that someone is prepared to pay you for. Mm-hmm. And the biggest way to fund an idea is actually get out and get a customer. 
Uh, and I think that quote comes from Yog Zuki, a very good friend of mine. Uh, and I mean, Yog says, you know, the, the best way to validate any idea is customer validation. You know, and we have so many uh, challenges out there. Uh, and and many of the entrepreneurs that are in the book, featured in the book, they did not have funding when they started. Uh, you know, whether one looks at uh, Livestock Wealth or Porsche M or whoever, they had no funding. That's profound. Um, and I think a lot of people need to hear it, that people should not be put off from starting something just because they don't have capital. Just to go back to what you've said, could one understand it this way? A lot of people seem to start up businesses on expectations and wishes as opposed to needs. That if one can find a social need, like a certain kind of food, for example, that's how you create your customer as opposed to operating, as I say, on theories, expectations and wishes. Because that can just be airy-fairy nonsense. Yeah, so the, the, the businesses that have succeeded and the entrepreneurs that have succeeded uh, in the you know, many years that I've spent uh, working with innovators and entrepreneurs are the ones that, in essence, have been solving a problem. Uh, they find something that they're you know, concerned about. I mean, let's take Memeza, uh, which is uh, uh, truly Mtetra. She had a crisis in her own family where she experienced violence. Uh, and uh, as a result of that, came up with this uh, alarm system that is now being used uh, in informal settlements and also the, the initial uh, version she gives it out to, to uh, girls at schools uh, who can then pull a string, uh, and this thing makes such a loud noise. Uh, in essence, that's a response to a particular uh, you know, problem. So it's important for anyone that actually wants to, wants to go the entrepreneur route First of all, you must not think about making money. I think it's important to think about solving a problem, and we're yes. going in depth in, in the book on that. And once you actually think about solving a problem, you're more likely to succeed. If you think about making money, you're almost certain that you're going to fail. Yeah, I mean, I, I like what you're saying. Uh, do you think that um, it's also um, in the whole ethos of if I can provide a good enough service I'm going to get by, and we shouldn't be thinking about zeros on the pages or what new expensive car we're going to buy, because that's just a rabbit hole, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, in the book, I, I think I, I mentioned something around, uh, I, I was making more money out of my tennis coaching practice when <laughs> I started right. working as an engineer, mm-hmm. and I ended my first salary, first salary as an engineer. And part of it is I never advertised my business as a tennis coach. It was providing a service. Uh, parents watching me uh, give their kids and other people's kids uh, lessons uh, and then referrals and people asking me, can we bring our kids? And, and so it's, it's really around the value add that we give to customers uh, and just understand that you're in business because of the customers. No, absolutely. Something that also came out of, of this, Dr. Sibanda, is you had to convince people to decentralize um, what you call incubation centers where you take the ideas into communities because a lot of people in these communities don't are not able to come, for example, to um, central Gauteng or, or an, uh, an urban area. 
and that you had to do a lot of convincing to get, for example, your Ikasi labs to spread throughout the Gauteng province. Just tell us more about that. Yeah, so one of the things that we found is um, the, the, the kind of entrepreneurs that we're seeing in Pretoria, they were largely privileged uh, from a privileged background. Uh, and whenever we spoke to the ones that came through from Soweto or Alex uh, or Soshanguve, they all make mention around how many taxes they had to take. So we partnered with the city of Tswan and set up the first taxi lab. And the idea was let's make it accessible. Let them take a one one taxi or walk to a facility. And in this particular facility, we need to provide exactly the same kind of infrastructure they would uh, get if they were in Pretoria. Uh, and so we put the same speed of bandwidth, we provided hot desking, the same quality, made sure that all of our mentors in Pretoria had to and were accessible to those entrepreneurs in the townships. Uh, and that went you know, pretty well with the first ones, but there was resistance. For example, in Alex, we were kicked out by the community. Okay. But there were lessons that we learned, mm. and part of the lessons <clears throat> that when you go into a community, you need to get buy-in from the community. They need to understand that you are there to help them. But also it's important to hear whether what you want to provide is something that they need. And it must be something that they take full ownership of. Yeah, in other words, we have to, I suppose, as I said in the classics, you have to keep your ear to the ground. You know, absolutely, absolutely. I think everything that we did, so I mean, you know, one can read the book and reflect, but in essence, I think part of what we did in, in uh, the repositioning of the Innovation Hub is running it as a business. In essence, saying who are our customers and what do they need and, and how can we remain relevant? It's all interesting we're talking about the Innovation Hub because in Cape Town there were plans at one stage to have a science and technology park, but for reasons unknown to me, it just hasn't taken off. Yet the one in Gauteng, as you say, has been going for, for some time. What have been the success stories of, of the Innovation Hub? I know you're no longer there, but the book is all about it. What would you say has been the biggest success story about it in <clears throat> getting skills out to um, young South Africans? So I think uh, off the top of my uh, head, uh, the, the over 400 young people that got trained uh, to be software coders, and most of them didn't have any tertiary qualifications, so they didn't have degrees. Uh, but they are out there now. They are, you know, coding for companies. They're coding for startups, and, you know, and so forth. So that was through the Core Tribe uh, Academy. Uh, the establishment of Ekasi Labs. Uh, history will come back to judge us, but I think it was the right decision. We went to the townships when no one was in the townships uh, to run incubation centers. Uh, today, CEDA is going in, into the townships, which is a good thing. Mm. Um, and if one looks also in terms of the bioeconomy, uh, the biopark infrastructure was the first, uh, not only for South Africa, uh, but also for the continent, where there is a particular infrastructure geared at assisting entrepreneurs in biopharmaceuticals. Uh, and uh, there's lots of companies that have come out. I mean, one of the companies there is Altis Biologics that's actually developing uh, some diagnostics now for COVID. Mm. 
Um, and uh, and so there's a whole range of these you know, companies that one actually mentions. Uh, we grew the infrastructure at the, at the Innovation Hub. And by the time I left, uh, there was uh, a triple P that had been approved, uh, which um, I'm told by the new CEO uh, is, uh, should be implemented very soon. I mean, it's interesting stuff, this. I mean, you're talking about biotech. How big is that not going to be um, in the future? And also, you also talk about the green economy, the Climate Innovation Center, and more specifically, green economy skills. The point I'm making here is that actually, there are just so many opportunities. There really are. But we have to learn how to harness them and how to train young people to realize that there are these opportunities and as you, as we said at the beginning you don't always need money to do this no no we no, we don't but you know shafiq one of the things that we need to do is really start to teach uh, entrepreneurship and innovation concepts at primary school ah yes mm. that we need to do because the the kind of jobs that you and i grew up aspiring uh, to to be in are no longer there. Uh, in fact, I mean, the future is going to be, the, the, the jobs of the future are going to be different to what we grew up aspiring you know, for. So if one looks at uh, the fourth industrial revolution, we need to be actually empowering young people at primary level to really start to think about the circular economy and uh, sharing economy, uh, thinking about software coding, uh, and so it's good that the president, uh, through Ramaphosa, announced that uh, software coding is going to become a subject, a curriculum for primary school uh, children. And that's where we need to start. I mean, I think everybody would agree with that. And of course, instinctively, um, our young people, um, you know, they can, baby can pick up my cell phone and probably send a WhatsApp quicker than I can. Yeah. Um, I mean, they've become so used to the tech. For them, the technology is like walking and breathing, whereas for some of us who might have a few years behind us, we had to actively learn the muscle memory to, to just send a WhatsApp, just mm-hmm. as, as an example. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very fast-moving world. What is your view um, on the fact, because nuts and bolts is, is for IR uh, looking, um, about the fact that the first lockdown of COVID – thrust us, whether we liked it or not, overnight into the fourth industrial revolution? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think we've been given a golden opportunity uh, to reset. Uh, and that particular opportunity uh, will never come again, I think. Uh, nations have been built during times of crisis. And uh, the first lockdown was a crisis. Uh, education, schools closed universities closed, work environments closed, and therefore we needed to, in essence, start to reset. Uh, So I think there is real opportunity to start to uh, create a new way of doing things, but also for South Africans to be contributors uh, to the apps, uh, to the applications, uh, to the systems that would be used, uh, not only by South Africans, but globally. Uh, and so I think that it is really an, an opportune time to relook in terms of what uh, we we do um, and what kind of skills we actually are teaching uh, as well, and be ready for the next pandemic. 
Dr. McLean Sibanda, a man of many, many hats, but we're talking about nuts and bolts, strengthening Africa's innovation and entrepreneurship ecosystems, uh, published by Doubleday. And it's a very interesting book about um, the innovation hub in Gauteng and everything leading out of it and if you're interested in the fourth industrial revolution if you're interested in entrepreneurship and seeing how systems can work and what can be done this is definitely a must buy for you dr mclean sibanda it's been a great privilege chatting to you everything of the best with the book thank you very much uh, shafiq and all the best to your listeners thank you drive time 91.3 always on the cutting edge